Hello, and welcome to Label Sessions Presents. Label Sessions is a global platform that connects you to the best advice for the most interesting people, whether you want advice, mentoring, or ideas. I'm Josh Nixon, content producer for Label Sessions. And in this episode, Keisha Kijano of Label Sessions talks to Meltem Kilikaslan. Meltem is a conflict resolution coach, mediator, entrepreneur, and speaker with over 25 years of experience across all her fields. She helps organizations change the way they work and is passionate about creating and guiding peaceful, collaborative, and creative workplaces, no matter the conflict. Over to Meltem and Keisha. Meltem, welcome to Label Sessions. Uh, we're thrilled to have you on the podcast. And we know you as an expert in conflict resolution. And conflict resolution is something many listeners may connect with geopolitical conflict. Can you speak to your journey into becoming a conflict resolution expert for people at work? So nice to see you, Keisha, again, and thanks for having me. Um, my journey started, um, I guess, traveling uh, into different countries to study. Uh, I was born in Turkey, and uh, as a very young girl, I loved debating. Uh, I guess a polite way of arguing at the time. <laughs> I I loved using the intellectual uh, concepts of coming up with logical answers and being able to, um, um, I guess, part of a debate club at school. And then I moved to Germany. I came to Canada in '98 as an exchange student, and English being my second language, um, I relied on my, um, I guess, I guess um, emotional intelligence of reading people. Um, I took, um, I guess, I morphed myself into being um, very agreeable and very easygoing at times. And that gave me the opportunity to actually um, understand that communication is not only through how we communicate through our words, but it's also our body language, uh, the tone of our voice, um, the energy that we give to each other. So it was a very different um, actually practice for me, and I'm very grateful for that. Uh, but that made me a conflict avoider. Um, I realized that it was much easier to avoid conflicts uh, because uh, when people were much more emotional, they were speaking faster. And uh, just like when I was tired, I didn't get the English humor. <laughs> And I didn't get much about the conflicts as well. So, um, and I realized that in my career to be really good, to become a really good leader, I needed to learn how to manage conflicts. That's why in my teachings, I always focus on um, conflict. 21st century superpower is conflict building conflict resolution skills. And uh, through that journey, through my career and myself having problems navigating through conflict and seeing my coworkers going through with um, difficulties dealing with conflict, I realized that the productivity in workplace goes down when we have conflicts. Uh, we don't uh, become, uh, we become rigid the way that we think. Um, uh, the problems are not getting solved creatively, collaboratively. So um, that's when I decided, okay, it's time for me to improve my skills first. And as I was improving my skills, I took conflict resolution training, mediation training, and I fell in love. Um, I fell in love. The fact that it made me much more confident, um, it, may, it gave me opportunities to uh, strengthen my relationships and 
um, I was able to bring creativity to the um, conversation so we could come up with really win-win solutions at the end. So that's how I integrated all my skill sets, uh, you know, being an entrepreneur, being uh, working in different environments, working with different cultures, and bringing the conflict resolution, skill building um, to humanize the way that we work. So you actually, you mentioned humanizing the way that people approach conflict resolution. What what does that mean to you? Uh, what it means to me, um, I guess um, it, it means it starts with increasing our awareness about ourselves and, uh, and vice versa, increasing our awareness about other people, bringing compassionate curiosity to the table when we are having uh, conversations. Uh, in any meeting, um, having the skill sets not to react, but to respond, um, being able to um, collaborate more often uh, and um, and include different perspectives and understanding that there can be multiple truths, multiple solutions to an answer and uh, being able to um, um, work through differences in a very creative and elegant and uh, respectful ways. I think that's that's really brilliant. I think more people need to kind of embrace that. Um, I was wondering, are you seeing an upward trend in people using the term conflict resolution and those kind of skills in the workplace? How important is it that that's sort of formally introduced in terms of like L&D in the workplace? So because I am in this field, and this is my passion as much as it is my work, um, I hear that um, soft skills, working on soft skills, emotional intelligence, obviously in 1990s, it became a big thing um, in workplaces as well. Uh, it wasn't only building skill sets in um, core skills, hard skills, but soft skills, uh, how um, leadership requires um, em- emotional intelligence. Um, it has been a topic for for me for a long time, but I think conflict resolution is becoming a big topic. And also um, myself and uh, people like myself, we are advocating on the topic that conflict resolution and mediation shouldn't go into workplace after the conflict occurs. But I would like to bring conflict resolution skill building. So conflict Conflicts are managed, so um, we don't escalate the situations. We are much more skilled in workplace to deal with them. So yes, there is an uptrend. Um, the more I also talk to people, the more that I introduce, and I also uh, see from um, some of my other um, um, people in the field, uh, yes, they are talking about conflict resolution in workplace much more often than than before. I think that's wonderful. Um, and to you, what's the starting point for businesses to de- equip individuals and teams with strategies and the foundational skill sets for proactive conflict resolution? So there is actually, there are multiple areas like conflict resolution involves communication skills, uh, leadership skills. It's kind of intertwines with all other uh, skill sets building. Um, I see that uh, some organizations um, are already doing lots of training programs on, um, um, you know, how to improve your communication skills, how to become a better leader and all kinds of. And my focus in uh, bringing conflict resolution training programs is 
with the angle, all those topics with the angle of conflict resolution, because we do need better leadership skills to deal with conflict resolution and vice versa, conflict resolution skills are making us better leaders. Um, and the same thing, communication skills, we need to improve our communication skills to be able to navigate through conflicts better. And I bring in my training again, uh, that angle of yes, um, the problem arises and then the difficult conversations needs to be done. How do we uh, become more skilled dealing with these conflicts and how do we use better communication skills and how do we bring that compassionate curiosity to the um, environment that, that we are interacting with others. So um, yeah, I think that it starts with um, before the major conflicts happen, bringing that um, training programs to um, organizations, to teams. Uh, I always say it's like a fax machine. <laughs> in old days, if you have one fax machine, it doesn't help you need to have multiple in different places so people could fax each other stuff. I see, I always say conflict resolutions is the same thing. It's not one person having the skill sets in our work environment. If we all have means to build those skills and, and work towards um, becoming better communicators and uh, have more skills to, to navigate through all these issues that arises in the work environment. Um, collaboratively, we can um, create a very pleasant environment to work It's in. almost like you need that base level of everyone in the company to raise up, not just when there is a conflict. You, know, you want to get in way before that happens. Yeah, and also when we have um, major conflicts already, uh, the stakes are high. People have emotionally charged. It's much harder to build those skill sets in that moment. It's at that time we are focusing on mediating the problem and finding resolutions. Uh, what I am much more interested in um, beforehand being able to give that confidence people build confidence through skill building so they know how to deal with uh, conflicts when the conflict is in a you know minor stage so it doesn't escalate wonderful um so i know that we've been talking about sort of across the whole company building up that foundational level but i also know that you work with individuals who transition from subject expert into more of a managerial role, helping them navigate the complexities of leadership and team dynamics. Um, what are the main things that initially keep coming up when guiding these types of people? Yeah, it's a, it's a great question. It's, uh, it varies, but there is some common trend and common trend is that um, they see the urgent need to learn how to manage others. Um, it is up to that moment, it is managing a project or maybe managing with, um, you know, their um, personal time and their knowledge and so on. But when they become the leader of a team, all of a sudden they need to bring the best out of uh, each other or team members, or they need to um, understand the different perspective of team members. And they need to, ha they need to have this difficult conversations at times. And um, new managers usually are having difficulties um, dealing with those kind of conversations. Uh, and also they, need, they are kind of in the middle in between um, their directors and their direct reports. 
how do they um, pass that vision uh, or the upper um, management decisions to their team members. So all that requires really great listening skills, really uh, great communication skills, and also understanding that they need to deliver difficult conversations. They need to facilitate the best dialogues among team members. So all those skills need to be um, reminded to them, or if if not, uh, you know, that those skill building needs to happen. I think, otherwise we can we can all definitely agree whether you're just starting out your career or you've been there quite a while, that conflict resolution can be very, very challenging. I was wondering, what are some common hurdles or misconceptions that you've encountered, both in, in your personal journey and in coaching others? I think the first thing is the self-awareness. It's just like ask to many drivers, are you a good driver or a bad driver? Most people will say they are great drivers, good drivers. It's hard for people to admit that they are bad in like as a driver. Same thing for conflict resolution. My initial conversation with people, um, most people, um, it's that they are they don't have major conflicts or they know how to handle them. And it takes some uh, you know honest, open conversation dialogue for them to realize that yeah, I can improve my skills. Definitely, these are the areas that. That conversation brings the self-awareness. Yes, there is issues that I'm having, yet I need to improve those. Or they come to me thinking that uh, the conflict exists, but the conflict comes from the other parties, not themselves. And I need to make them aware that it takes two to tango, and we cannot control the other parties, but we can control the way that we uh, respond, not react to the situations. So those are really fun conversations. For me also, it took a long time to understand that, yes, I really needed to develop these skills. And the more I develop these skills and every day I'm practicing myself, it's a never-ending process. Um, it's um, it's very addictive. It's a wonderful, uh, wonderful way of realizing that, my gosh, um, uh, those conflicts are actually pointing a way that I can grow. Uh, you know, the conflicts are usually the parts that maybe we are not, um, it's not that it's not solvable, it's we don't have um, enough skill sets to deal with it, or we have blind spots that we are not able to realize how to navigate it. So I'm able to coach the person to see those blind spots and make it fun. It's a fun process. It's like a game being able to understand, okay, this is the part, the, the minute that I learned this, it's like a level, you you level up and you you become, uh, you know, better skilled in, um, in your communications, making friendships, or um, you leave a business meeting with, uh, you know, with really um, productive ways of finding solutions at the end. So it's, it's, it's quite fun, quite fun for me and also fun for my clients. I can very much see that. And I feel like with the the self-reflection as well, once you know more about yourself, you're like, I can do so much with that. There's almost a power in that self-reflection. Yeah, absolutely. Kind of the self-reflection going through that. I understand it can be a very sort of emotive issue um, going, kind of going through all that, really admitting stuff about yourself, not necessarily this is all just wrong with the other person. I was wondering, what's your approach to cultivating your own resilience? 
Well, the people who are coming to me, they already want, um, want uh, like they're taking pleasure of becoming a better version of themselves. So that is a quite motivator. And then um, I'm always very transparent and very um, respectful and non-judgmental in my conversations with any of my clients. Um, it's not that we don't know what we, uh, it's ignorance is bliss at some times, like we don't know what to do, but then the minute that the awareness comes, um, they are um, very interested in uh, discovering something new and scratching a place that they haven't scratched before. And it's not they are doing it alone, we are doing it together because as much as I'm um, facilitating conversations or I'm guiding them, I'm coaching them, it's a discovery for my, for me as well. So it's a wonderful two-way conversation that we are exploring different ways of um, um becoming better in the areas that maybe they haven't explored yet. So the resilience comes also understanding that bringing that humility into conversation, bringing that non-judgmental dialogue into conversation and really acceptance, acceptance that it's not that, oh, I wasn't good at it before. It's realizing that, oh my gosh, this is time to become better at this now. So um, the resilience comes through practicing, I always say, um, a skill or habit, um, old habits are not easy to break. Um, and it's our uh, go-to style in conflict resolution. Some of us are avoiders naturally, and some of them are seekers. So uh, understanding that natural style, but once I introduce all different kind of conflict resolution strategies, uh, being able to have all those strategies in your toolbox and being able to access to those and use it in the right time, right place, and right way is very empowering itself, by itself. I think that's wonderful. And I know that a lot of people kind of see it as almost black and white of like, you know, you've got to be you know, headstrong, either headstrong or that you're giving up something. So I think it's great that you say, you know, there is a toolbox, there's a a wide range of things that you can utilize, use, kind of styles. Yeah, I was going to say also, um, maybe to open up that conversation a little bit further, um, there are multiple strategies, conflict resolution strategies. And as I mentioned, we tend to go choose because of our, um, you know, the families that we grow up in or our backgrounds, um, our previous life experiences. Uh, whenever our emotions um, get involved, we tend to go um, one style or the other um, or combinations. But usually, you know, we have a tendency to choose one style. And we think that it's a personality. It is not. It is totally a habitual um, go-to style. But the minute that we do the skill building and the minute that we understand all different styles that are available, and I coach them and I teach them how to use and when to use them, it becomes much more accessible. And then we choose the styles based on what the conflict is about and what strategies required to resolve it instead of going to our God style all the time. This podcast is brought to you by Label Sessions, the global platform that connects you to the best advice from the most interesting people. Around the world, we work with brands to connect their people to true leaders, just like the people you hear on this podcast for live sessions of advice, mentoring, or sometimes to collaborate on ideas. 
To find out more, visit labelsessions.com and book in for a demo with our team. I wonder, in maybe a more general way, um, can you speak to your experience finding balance between sort of assertiveness and empathy in conflict resolution? It, yeah, it's a fine balance, and especially uh, that um, um, that requires also being aware not only about ourselves but about the others as well in our environment, um, uh, because. Uh, for example, the gender uh, differences plays in role or, or cultural differences can play in role in, in all of that. So I say um, assertiveness is, um, for example, women um, being assertive in circumstances can be perceived differently. It's not only how we perceive it, but how it is perceived by others is as important as um, um being skilled in the uh, conflict resolution skills. So um, empathy in either way for me is extremely important because empathy, true empathy and um, that compassion, curiosity, um, more than empathy, that compassion that brings into conversation that yes, um, we all have different backgrounds. We all have different life experiences and expertise. And so being able to listen that empathy compassion brings us um bring uh, gives us the opportunity to move from positions to interests and ask questions like why um and um i always say uh, it is so important to listen in any communication and uh, when we say communi communication we i mean most people first think that it is the verbally what we say and how we say it but it is also, uh, the research shows that the most important component of the communication is listening skills. Uh, in an environment, are we able to ask the right questions, those open-ended questions, and give space to people explain themselves? And, um, and then assertiveness comes after understanding exactly hearing them out uh, and being able to um, make them feel that you hear them and you validate what they are saying. And assertiveness, I would say, how I will use personally is um, leading the conversation in a way that I would like the conversation to go, where, where it goes. Like moving from past problems maybe to present and focusing on how I would like to resolve in the future or what steps I need to take to resolve problems in the future. So my assertiveness is actually feeling confident enough and being aware enough that I can guide the conversation to the direction that I'm I'm thinking that it will be beneficial for both of us, for both people, for both parties. That very much makes sense of listening first and then kind of figuring out what that means and then moving forwards from there. Like that very much makes sense. Going on with the um the thing that you were saying that I would kind of really pique my interest about what you just said was the part where you said people think that communication is just the speaking part, but it's also almost more importantly, the listening part. I was wondering, are there any other myths about conflict resolution that you'd want to bust or like clarify? Yeah, interesting. Um, I, I think I mentioned that most people think that they are good at conflict resolution. I guess that's the myth that <laughs> I would like to say. And second thing is uh, I would like to really uh, bring uh, forth is um, 
interestingly, very few people are trained in conflict resolution. I wish that it will be um, much more available in um, school systems, younger people to deal with conflict and to learn how to navigate through conflicts. Because I always say conflict resolution is the 21st century superpower. Um, uh, in today, our threats, uh, uh, the way that we can excel, um, become better at whatever we are doing is to be able to resolve those conflicts and to um, actually make conflicts, uh, welcome conflicts in our lives because it's not being shying away from conflict. It is being skilled enough that you know how to resolve those issues uh, because resolving conflict kind of fixes the relationships and it allows relationships to grow and to um, um, to make the relationships function in ways that we can um, understand each other better and that we can um, the same visions and to work towards the same visions and goals. By the way, this doesn't answer your question. So perhaps I should go back and redo this. <laughs> no, I think what you said was absolutely incredible. And the way that I think you also called it a superpower. A lot of people think that maybe conflict resolution is something, you know, that's soft. It's a soft skill. It's very kind of like, it's not a powerful skill. It's not what, you know, big C-suite do. I'm like, no, actually what you're saying about it kind of, it gets business moving forwards. You need it. It's almost a necessity within the workplace, not just for C-suite, but everyone in, in a business. Yeah. Think about actually going into any meeting and instead of, um, you know, eyebrows uh, getting raised issues and not problems being um, swept under the rug or and, and so on, that people are skilled enough to uh, voice their opinion or um, there is the psychological safety that people are able to raise their concerns and bring different creative solutions and ideas to the table uh, without feeling like they have to agree. Uh, with each other all the time. Um, so I think that's a definitely power skill. So people will be able to, organizations, companies will be able to um, tap into those hidden skills and hidden creativity that um, can benefit from definitely. And also how often people, because of a conflict, uh, people are so stressed. Um, the research shows that people are taking off from work. Uh, in some cases, productivity goes down um, or people are, um, the trust is lost or a client relationship is damaged. So, so many bad effects of a conflict can happen. And through this conflict resolution skills building, um, teams are much more empowered. The productivity goes up. People are actually um, having fun, pleasure in their work environment. That's what I would like to establish. I think it's so important, especially in this day and age where everyone is talking about how work is more than just a place they go. It, work is more than just, you know, something that brings money in. It's like if it's going to be part of their life, they want it to be somewhere that they enjoy, somewhere that, you know, brings them joy. And this is definitely one part of um, I was wondering, so you mentioned about meetings and how it's helpful in meetings. But I guess thinking about work today and hybrid or remote models of work, do you have a point of view on how people and teams are navigating conflicts in virtual spaces? What advice do you have 
for leaders managing conflicts in remote or hybrid work environments? Mm -hmm. It's so important. Uh, I'm still uh, also uh, discovering and learning through personal experiences myself. Um, I do believe, obviously, the best uh, communication or best um, um, relationship building happens face-to-face. But if we have this environment and then we need to adapt and go through this change process, I always say uh, the phone still exists, um, you know, or... Uh, in in team environments that the fact that we are all together uh, and we see sound like being able to again read faces and their body language and and if someone is not contrib- contributing at all or shying away or they seem down being able to make that personal call afterwards and being able to touch base with people and um asking open-ended questions, what's going on and, you know, how they feel. Still, we need that personal touch in our relationships. For clients, uh, I always say when it comes to, um, you know, delivering important news, definitely take the phone uh, or uh, create a, you know, um, face-to-face meeting instead of just sending an email. I think the important news needs to be delivered face-to-face. Um, again, it's, you know, in our circumstances, it's just through, um, through online meeting or through phone conversations, um, because also email is very dry. We read or we add our emotions into it. If we already have a way of thinking that, um, that person is very aggressive in our, in their communication, we label people and we label their emails as well. So we read those emails maybe with that of a tone. They don't read it to us, but we read it to ourselves with that tone. And um, I always say, create a file in your email. Do not send file. If something is agitating you in that email, perhaps you should put it, do not send file or <clears throat> and go for a coffee or grab a glass of uh, water and then come back to it, reread it. In in some cases, you might want to uh, let someone else read the email to you because their voice and their emotions might be in a very neutral tone and it all of a sudden is not upsetting any longer. So I think those little tips uh, will help. I definitely love that one about the, um, the do not send uh, file folder. I think that is something that everyone needs to just have whether they use it or not they know it's there i think it's very important and one other tip when it comes to email i uh, keep writing my emails and then i reread and i correct it Uh, whenever we focus on uh, the subject matter like you for example you sent me email or you didn't send me email or you didn't send me the file um, the initial response is very reactive for the person it's very it sounds like an accusation, right? They need to defend themselves. I always say in the emails, the file is not said or I have not received the file. All of a sudden, then we giving them the opportunity to respond instead of reactively defend themselves. So those little nuances makes a big difference as well in our uh, email written communication. Definitely. It's something that no one really formally learns. But once you say, it, you're like, oh, I mean, that just makes sense. You're like, of course. Um, so it's definitely so important that people do have those kind of lessons and skills and just the chance to think about something that they've never thought before, such as using those terms. I think it's a 
Yeah. And also I um, always, always start in my emails, something personal, um, because we are bombarded with so many emails. We are bombarded uh, with so many um, asks uh, in our work environment. And that little personal touch, if I have talked to you in our previous conversation and if I'm aware about something personal about you, I might want to check on you. Um, how was that trip that you were planning? I hope you had a fabulous time. Something um, personal, something relatable, I think it creates magic as well. And it kind of it breaks down the tension, especially online as well, when you're like, oh, okay, you can start talking about something without it being, this is urgent, this is important. I definitely agree. Yes, absolutely. I wonder, sort of, the stuff that you've been reading and researching in the realm of conflict resolution, are there any emerging trends or new perspectives that have caught your attention recently? Uh, I need to do more research on it, but I have been reading and being exposed more on AI in conflict resolution. So I think that's going to be a trend. I can see totally um, different means that um, artificial intelligence can be used. Just like in um, therapies, I have been hearing that as well. So uh, I can see some opportunities in that area. Maybe for um, minor tips, but when it comes to dealing one-on-one coaching, I still see that uh, magic can happen through um, the personal relationship and personal coaching. Uh, but in general, um, you know, perhaps in email writings, like the, the tips that we discussed, I can see potentially that being helpful in the future. Wonderful. Absolutely wonderful. And, you know, it's the stuff that you've been saying that's actually got me really interested in reading up about conflict resolution and just seeing if there's any kind of beginner's guide out there, you know. Well, especially now change management is happening everywhere and uh, things are changing in politically or with um, technologically. Things are changing very fast. And how do companies adapt and how do we need to innovate? We need to accept those change management. And all those brings more conflict to workplaces because we have early adopters, we have sims people and we have change people. And they are all wonderful to have in an organization. We don't want only one type of people, right? Like we want to welcome that diversity and um, um, diversity in, in the work environment. But that means diversity brings conflicts. That means there are different perspectives. So for that reason, I also say conflict resolution is a superpower skills to have because that gives us that agile way of dealing with conflicts in the work environment, then we have to bring that kind of a change uh, and innovation to the workforce or workplace that we are dealing with. Exactly. And with all of these bigger companies that just keep getting bigger and bigger, there's more space in there for conflict to arise. Exactly what you said. Yeah. Yeah. Wonderful. Well, we've come to the sort of the second part of the podcast Q&A. And that's the quick fire questions. So, yeah. This may have less to do with conflict resolution, but it's kind of giving us an insight into sort of you and your life and your way of thinking. Yeah, my job. Beautiful. I'm, I'm so looking forward to this question. Uh, we'll jump straight into it. Um, so I guess the first one's, where do you go to feed your creative brain? I love, I love being with people surrounded by others. Um, uh, I would say small groups mostly when it comes to creativity uh, because um, 
um, through talking, through seeing uh, everyone else's perspective on the topic, it kind of um, bubbles up in my mind, different ways of thinking. And um, look, we have two eyes, but the minute that we have multiple people in the room, we can have 10 eyes, right? So being able to see the world from uh, through their eyes and through their um, ways of thinking brings more creativity for me. And um, I love coming up with um, creative solutions. And conflict resolution is all about coming up with creative solutions. So I'm able to bring creativity to conflict resolution as well. And I always encourage my clients um, to explore those, those ways of thinking, you know. Um, so that is number one, definitely uh, being in engaging dialogues and conversations with others. And second is at times I need my own space and I love nature, going for nature walks, uh, listening to podcasts, allowing myself to explore new ways of thinking, finding my blind spots and the ways that I can look something from very different angles. So that's what I enjoy doing. That's wonderful. And aside from that, sort of human touch aside from podcasts I guess or maybe including podcasts um are there any useful resources you follow to stay on the pulse of things in your English there are amazing podcasts by the way on the topics that I'm interested in um and it's getting becoming more and more so I love listening to those um I love reading uh, especially my professor Ken Kenneth Clock um he has multiple uh multiple books and one of my favorite is the crossroads of conflict. Uh, thank God it's Monday. So I have some couple of books that I um, love, and um, the good thing is I can read the same book over and over again, and my awareness changes, my understanding and changes, and each time I discover some method of wisdom, and I'm like can sit on that wisdom for a couple of days. It's it's like that powerful. Um, and also, um, I guess my clients are giving me so much resources to think about and explore. So um, I, will, I wouldn't only say what is out there, but like, yeah, my clients are bringing me so much wisdom as well. That's great. Wonderful. And thank you for the book recommendations as well. I guess the next question is, so what does your desk look like? Is it kind of messy, very sorry, meticulously organized? What does your desk look like? I think in between, <laughs> as much as I aim to have a very um, clean desk, I guess it's not always the reality. I have my cat at times. My cat <laughs> loves to hang out with me and uh, she um, brings a different uh, beautiful energy to my desk. I have to admit it's very calming and very loving energy that she brings to my desk. Um, I have my books, I have multiple computers <laughs> and lots of, um, yeah, lots of uh, pens and um, not taking devices. Yeah, it's, it's lots going on on my desk. <laughs> Wonderful, I guess. It's, it's nice to get an insight into what people find important to have on hand and stuff. Yeah. Um, next question, where did you go on your last trip? My last trip was uh, initially planned for a family wedding in Turkey. Um, so um, with my family, we were in Turkey to visit all the family members. But on the way back, we stopped in Amsterdam. 
uh, to visit the museums and oh my gosh, what a gorgeous city. Um, you know, I will go back in a heartbeat. I loved, loved, loved being in Amsterdam. And then next question, going from where you'd go with kind of who you're going with, what makes someone a good traveling companion? Flexibility and open-mindedness. And um, yeah, I think those two are very important because I don't like um, being on schedule. If we are having fun in one place, we would like to stay longer and explore further. So I don't like being on a schedule. So I guess my um, travel partner, um, very flexible. We kind of do what our heart desires. And if we love one spot, we can spend hours and hours and then move on to the next thing. Um, and we don't have expectations. We just go and explore. I think a lot of people need to learn that. There's kind of a trend going around of like, Oh, type A planning, da 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 you got to do this, 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 or this. Sometimes there's a nice art in just... Yeah, we have kind of a general idea what we would like to do. But uh, if we don't stick with that, you know, um, with those um, schedules, that's fine. I, I like that flexibility. Our work lives and our day-to-day -day lives are already planned so um, strictly, right? Like we have things to do, places to be. And I think for me, vacation is just um, uh, being that free spirit, being able to explore and have fun. I love that. Oh, I wish to go on a vacation soon. Yeah, let's go together. <laughs> Do it, Amsterdam. Let's go. Good news. Perfect. Um, I guess the next thing, what is your ideal day off from work? It's like a mini vacation, right? <laughs> so mini vacation off work, um, I guess the ideal day is um, hanging out with a good friend, maybe going out for lunch. Uh, if I'm lucky, maybe a spa day. <laughs> Where I live, Montreal, is we are blessed with small parks and beautiful nature parks. So uh, always, if the weather is nice, going for a nice walk and again with a friend, um, you know, spend some time, call it time. So that's wonderful. I will ask what you mean by here at first. <laughs> it kind of depends on you and how you interpret it, I guess. Um, yeah, I get it's such a subjective, you know, word, right? I guess not that weird. In in my mind, I never think that I'm weird. But you know, my daughter thinks I'm weird in many, many ways. <laughs> I guess I can be very weird when it comes to exploring new ideas because I'm really an out-of-box thinker and I can come up with solutions or I not solutions, but I can brainstorm, brainstorm in ways that some people wouldn't go there because they think brainstorming even should be logical. And I don't think in those terms. Um, and when it comes to dreaming, I don't uh, any longer, I don't think in logical terms. If I'm dreaming, you dream small versus big, what does it matter? You can dream anything that you want. That's the meaning of a dream. But I guess when I was younger, I used to think more in terms of um, what is possible and dream in the those possible terms. But today, I'm, uh, I guess I'm weird in that sense that I am limitless in my thinking. I absolutely love that. You start off with, I'm not weird at all until like, oh, <laughs> wait a minute. <laughs> It goes back to what you're saying. People don't think 
uh, people think that they're very good concert. Uh, exactly. Good yeah, exactly. So, yeah, I, I can be perceived very weird, especially if people are very logical in a brainstorming session. Uh, yeah, I I bring that um, authentic self, you know, <laughs> I'm uncomfortable with bringing ideas to the table. Well, I think that's absolutely wonderful. Um, thank you so, so much for your time. Well, absolute pleasure. Thank you so much for all of these interesting, interesting questions. Normally, I love asking those questions back to you, but I understand this time it was all about me. <laughs> so concludes another episode of Label Sessions Presents. Be sure to follow and subscribe to the podcast no matter your platform of choice. And of course, start your journey today with us at labelsessions.com.